1: So, thank you very much. Go check out the site, strengthguild.com. Scroll down to Iron Radio collections and support the show.
0: Welcome, Iron Radio listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm going to run solo this morning and share some nutrition science news. Uh, Partly because we had altered schedule today, we were recording a video episode of our bacon jerky. Uh, So, Mike and Phil are going to join in after the mid-show break, so if you don't really want to... Listen to a bunch of science news, then just check in about the midpoint of the show. We're going to talk about arms. Uh, Welcome to the gun show uh, is what we called it. Just tips, stories, how to build big arms, what makes them look big, uh, what not to forget. But I digress. I'm sitting here still munching on my bacon jerky and I got my coffee. The first one I'm going to tell you about is vitamin D. Strength and Muscle Sport News. Uh, A new paper came out, brand new, from Abder Halden and colleagues. This is from the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition. Effect of daily 2,000 IUs versus 800 IU, international units, of vitamin D on blood pressure among adults aged 60 years or older, a randomized clinical trial. Now, you might think, why do I care about old people and blood pressure But make no mistake, there's a lot of big boys and girls out there. They're a little fluffy or they're just, they weigh a lot and their blood pressure may go up, especially if they're middle-aged. And it looks like vitamin D is going to help with this a bit. So they say observational studies report higher blood pressure among individuals with low 25 hydroxy vitamin D concentrations in their blood. So they tried to determine if daily vitamin D supplements with 2000 IU is more effective than 800 IU for blood pressure control. Again, this is in older adults. Uh, And just for the record, if you go to the NIH, uh, it's actually the Office of Dietary Supplements. They have a page on vitamin D. It's like a fact sheet. Easy, free way to go read all about vitamin D. But, of course, we know uh, it gets a lot of attention. There's been some stuff about boosting testosterone levels in people that are low T. Um, It's anti-inflammatory. I was reading some stuff just last week that it actually slows viral replication in the body i mean one of the theories of flu season and i don't have to tell anybody about the pandemic that's going on but is that when the sunlight starts to fade and you especially you live in the north short days you're covered up your skin doesn't get that uv light on it and you end up with low d uh and it can be one of the many things that lead to uh flu season potentially but anyway back to the blood pressure thing So the Office of Dietary Supplements Fact Sheet suggests 600 IU is the RDA. That's 15 micrograms. And depending on the source of the recommendation, you're going to typically see 600 or 800 IUs a day. So that's why they had that lower dose baseline. Randomized double-blind trial. These were older adults. They were over 60 in this study, but they underwent elective surgery for knee osteoarthritis. And they were put on, randomly, either 2,000 IUs or 800 of vitamin D3 for two years, for 24 months. 250 participants completed the follow-up. They actually did ambulatory blood pressure monitoring. So sort of a, not just a once and sit down and have it done sort of thing. Uh, Results, the different daytime mean systolic blood pressure, so the higher number, And that's going to tend to fluctuate a bit more with physical exertion, heart rate, and whatnot. But um, the difference between the 2,000 IU and the 800 IU doses was not statistically significant. So the 2,000 IU dose, they lost about 4 millimeters of mercury off that blood pressure reading. And the uh, 800, they lost about 3. So 4 versus 3 wasn't statistically reliable. However, systolic, systolic blood pressure variability was significantly reduced at 2,000 IUs compared to 800. So a little bit less all over the place. They concluded that while daily 2,000 IU and 800 IU of vitamin D3 reduced systolic blood pressure on average uh, over two years uh, to a small extent, that the 2,000 IU reduced the systolic blood pressure variability more compared to the 800. Now, they also point out that because they didn't have a true control they really can't ascertain for sure whether vitamin D supplementation effectively reduces blood pressure. But of course, it's suggestive that it does in fact uh, help. So I take 2000 IU of vitamin D uh, starting usually in about October every year and all the way through maybe March when I'm just not out in the sunshine that much. It's probably worth pointing out too, when when I say a 600 or I 800 IU dose of vitamin D is a common recommendation. I think the endocrine society says a thousand, but a lot of these recommendations assume adequate sun exposure. And again, if you live in the North, that's easier said than done sometimes. So I'm actually quite a fan. You might want to talk to your doctor about that. Get your 25 hydroxy D checked. Um, take two or 3000 units a day. I think Mike prefers more like 5,000, uh, I use per day. Uh, I just sort of play it safe in that 2,000 and 3,000 range. That's where I see most of the research, uh, at least from my digging. So, Cool stuff for vitamin D. If you're hypertensive, it's a, it's a cheap way to help keep it down, and it's going to give you other benefits. So moving on, this one's very relevant to the taste test we just did on the bacon. Uh, effects of total red meat intake on glycemic control and inflammatory biomarkers a meta-analysis of randomized controlled trials. So this is Lauren O'Connor and colleagues, advances in nutrition, spanking new stuff. They say our objective was to conduct a systematic review uh, of the effects of total red meat intake on glycemic control, right, your carb handling, and inflammatory biomarkers. Uh, Looking at controlled trials that are already out there, we hypothesize that higher total red meat intake would negatively influence glycemic control and inflammation, based on the positive correlations that they've seen with diabetes so they found 24 eligible articles the average duration of the interventions was eight weeks Uh, participants were over 19 years old men and women they didn't um, have any diseases right they screened so no diagnosed cardiometabolic disease they looked at fasting glucose insulin glycated hemoglobin right your gummed up red blood cells if you will C-reactive protein, which is an inflammation marker, and and inflammatory cytokines. Apparently, there was no change or no difference in the change values, that is, between diet periods with greater than half a serving per day versus less than half a serving a day of total red meat intake. Uh, And there was no dose-response relationship. In other words, more and more red meat didn't lead to more and more of anything else. So total red meat consumption for up to 16 weeks in conclusion does not affect changes in biomarkers of glycemic control or inflammation in healthy adults. Very interesting stuff. Uh, we look at some glycemic markers with coffee uh, in our own lab. So that was interesting to me. And again, since we're <laughs> going to taste test this month, the the Jack links bacon jerky, in fact, maybe some of you did it, um, bought it in, in advance to do it along with us. Uh, at least this study suggests not not a big problem when it comes to carb handling and and things like that this reminds me of the damage i think that's been done with certain movies i mean there's a lot of documentary films now that are put out by famous people demonizing meat and things like that and how you can always cherry pick to make a point there's so much data out there these days but you know let, this doesn't suggest inflammation or problems with Um, you know, diabetes progression, if you will, or carb handling um, markers and things like that. So, okay. One more here before we go to break. This is from uh, Annie Lennon, uh, journalist. Turmeric better than placebo for osteoarthritis pain. So this is through labroots.com. Researchers from Australia have found an extract from turmeric is more effective than a placebo at reducing knee pain from osteoarthritis they had 70 participants that were symptomatic for knee osteoarthritis they gave them either two capsules of turmeric per day or a placebo over 12 weeks they tracked changes in pain and knee effusion synovitis uh, synovitis volume so basically a questionnaire and MRI scan they also looked at cartilage composition very interesting Use of pain meds, quality of life, physical performance, and other markers. But as the title of this one suggests, the benefits seem to be there for the the turmeric. It says patients who took turmeric supplements tended to experience less pain than those in the placebo group. Importantly, they also had no adverse events. I don't know why you would from something as simple as a, a turmeric product, but okay, you never know about, you know, gastric inflammation or i don't know i i wouldn't think that would happen with an anti-inflammatory powder uh, or pill it says however there was no difference in structural aspects of knee osteoarthritis so in other words it helped with the symptoms of pain but it didn't seem to do anything that might be considered a cure or a, a physical improvement in composition or you know morphology of the joint and they also warned that the sample size was somewhat small but hey a 70 doesn't look bad to me. Uh, I actually take uh, a curcumin supplement and um, 400 milligrams of sort of a bio-enhanced. I get two different curcumin products, but they both have different approaches to helping with absorption because the bioavailability isn't real high. Um, but yeah, my family history of osteoarthritis, and you know, I blew out my ACL years ago, and I'm trying not to have a knee replacement. I still like to be able to squat, and I can at least, you know, light to moderate weights. So I'm actually a fan, so that was interesting to hear. So uh, between the vitamin D, the total red meat study, and the curcumin, uh, I have to be careful, right? Science doesn't care what you want, Uh, but these are things I'm I'm grateful to hear. More evidence on some of the things that I think a lot of our listeners might be doing and that I do. Uh, One last thing before we go to break, and then we talk about... Um, big guns. Uh, we have a contest going on right now. Some of you know I have uh, markers down here for Jason and D Fryers, as far as people that are making comments on iTunes or YouTube or both. If you make comments on both, we're going to send you a t-shirt. We've got some cool t-shirts left over from the uh, Arnold 2020, which is sort of going to be a landmark year, right? Because it was so weird because of the pandemic and everything. And we'll just give you one. Uh, so all you have to do is make a comment on one of our taste test videos, like the bacon one that's coming up. Uh, make a review on iTunes and then just send one of us an email and say, hey, I made comments on YouTube and uh, iTunes. Uh, just whatever you want to say, I mean, you know, good, bad or ugly. We're not begging for fo- just for four or five star reviews. They're nice to have. Uh, oh, also, I should mention um, Brown River made a comment on itunes and i appreciate that so that's how you do it we have a box of t-shirts and i'll send you one if you make some comments for us so that's sort of the contest it's going to go through october 14th at least that's the plan for now so get out there and make a review if you're interested in a cool iron radio shirt it's got like a barbarian on the front kind of thing and it's pretty cool all right so that's it let's go to break and when we come back it's going to be welcome to the gun show
1: You know there, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, you know who this is. Uh, so I'm here to tell you about uh, Dr. Mike T. Nelson's uh, new book, uh, Why You Should Eat Keto. I don't do it because, I mean, look at me. Come on. I'm fabulous and I'm fantastic. Anyway, you should text the uh, Keto eBook all in one word to 44222 to receive your free copy. Do it. Do it now.
0: Okay, listeners, after more than a decade of joining us on the podcast Airwaves, you can now also become viewers on YouTube. This is not our usual simple backup of the audio show, but rather a growing body of video taste tests covering various foods of interest to nutrition enthusiasts, bodybuilders, and powerlifters. From within YouTube, simply search for Iron Radio Taste Test or Nutrition Radio Taste Test In about 15 minutes, we cover taste and texture similar to other products, uh, usefulness to the co-hosts, and whether we would recommend the product to certain clients. You may even want to watch our podcast feed or Facebook group for which products are coming down the pike so you can taste test them with us. Join us for this new monthly project. like your weekly fix of iron radio in addition to being a popular institute on itunes we are also on email simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email you'll get a once per week email no more that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. Okay, everybody, we're back. It's Phil and Mike and Lonnie, and we're going to the gun show. So if you're interested in getting bigger arms, uh, we're going to try to offer stories and tips and and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I don't know, Phil... As far as you're concerned, I mean, obviously, direct arm size is only of huge interest to powerlifters, I would think, insofar as it's going to help you bench press, or, or is that unfair? Yeah, that's about it.
1: Um, yeah, no, that's, that's about it. I mean, so we'll add it on, but it's definitely like one of those way afterthought moves. Like, okay, I'm done with training. Let me do some curls. And an often one for me is just like, pick up the barbell, do 100 curls. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. You know, I stole that from Derek Poundstone. Yeah. So, um, you know, yeah, but I mean, if you're honest, I mean, we get a lot of arm work anyways through. Uh, if you're doing lots of rows and, you know, upper back work is a big staple in power lifting. If it's not, if you're not doing a bunch of upper back work pulling moves, then you're probably doing it wrong. So, yeah. Um,
0: that makes sense. Now, when you yeah. say 100 reps. Um I, I know what you're saying but if, can you explain to everybody who's not familiar with the way you do that so how many sets how do you do that
1: Yeah I mean it's literally just the barbell and whatever it takes to do 100 so I mean you might let's I don't know let's say you do five sets of 20 whatever you know, or you right. knock out a set of more than that and then break the rest down it doesn't matter what matters is you get that daily dose of 100 reps I think Poundstone's original goal was gain, slowly gain the ability to do a hundred in a row. Oh, so yeah. Wow. But, but, uh, yeah, for me, it's just literally, it's just, just do a hundred <laughs> right. and I've, I've defaulted to that, that on a lot of things like ring rows and, you know, uh, dumbbell rows. If you just do a hundred, you did a lot. Right. So, yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's a pretty easy, just take your dose and take it. It's like taking your cough syrup.
0: Right. So, <laughs> I love that. I mean, that's something I picked up from you, which was that daily dose idea. Like, I don't care if you do five sets of 20 or 10 sets of 10. Yeah. Just get your 100 yeah. reps, you know. Yeah,
1: it really doesn't matter in the end. It's not that big of a deal.
2: Your joints feel better on that, Phil?
1: Oh, yeah. I love light stuff. And it's, yeah. oddly enough, I mean, people are going to hate me off topic here because it's a total different joint. But uh, I use the leg extension now for that. Really light, like 25 yeah. pounds. And yeah. just just rep it out. And holy Macro, my knees feel good. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, so.
0: Yeah, I think if your goal is building soft tissues or like with the arm thing, you just want some biceps or brachialis mass or something like that. Just you got to control for volume. And so why not just do that out of the gate? Like 100 reps is your volume goal. Go.
1: Well, yeah. And if you want to get a little science nerdy on it, I mean, there's evidence out there about, you know, us power and strength athletes are brutal on our ligaments and tendons yeah. and cartilage. So getting that high rep lighter work in could be of a huge benefit. Totally. So yeah. Soft tissue. And general. I think that's where, that's where Poundstone's deal came from with that was trying to stop some of the bicep tendon ruptures yeah. of stones and things. So, okay,
2: yep. Right, yeah. exactly. I've been slightly off topic, but when I get really beat up, I'll take collagen, you know, 15 grams, 40 to 60 minutes beforehand. That's from uh, Dr. Keith Barr and Shaw's work that it may help recover soft tissue. And then take that same principle and just do, you know, five, six, seven sets of full body, almost like it looks like circuit training, but my heart Mm -hmm. rate's not getting super high. And I'm just hitting reps of 10 to 20, go to the next exercise, 10 to 20, next exercise. And I'm not trying to make it a circuit training. I'm just trying to get, you know, some blood flow, maybe some movement, a little bit of muscle, maybe some tendon recovery. And like the next day, I'm like, wow, I feel a lot better. Yeah, right. You know, there's even that stuff from...
0: Was it Stu Phillips' lab um, or uh, was it Nick Bird? They were looking at basically like high rep sets of 20, 25 reps. 30% of one RM. Right, 30% of one rep max. Uh, Doing really good stuff for protein synthesis. And like you guys are saying, we're not just talking about muscle bellies. It's soft tissue
2: in general. It just makes sense. Yeah, Um, and that work they they did go to for all the PubMed ninjas that are going to crucify us. They did go to (laughs) failure on most of that. So if you are doing that for purely muscle growth, you may have to push it a little bit more than what we're talking about, but same idea. That's right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I just made a mental note at the time when I read that it came out to, I think 23 reps was like the average number of reps where where they failed. Yeah. 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 Um, so I guess I don't really have to ask the question about direct arm work. Phil, you do have your people do some direct arm work.
1: Oh yeah. 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 Uh,
0: Mike, what about you? Same thing? Uh, you're, I mean, if you have fitness competitors or bodybuilders and stuff, I've even heard some people suggest on bodybuilding sites. Uh, I I know some of the past publications we've all written for, there's been articles about people suggesting different strength code. You don't even need direct arm work. If you're doing like close grip benching or benching at all, there's your triceps work. And if you're doing upright rows or, or you know, um, dumbbell rows, like you were saying, Phil, you don't need the biceps work, but. Uh, Mike, do you have clients that are you really got to program some direct arm work? or?
2: Yeah, it just depends on their goals. I mean, if it's a more general population looking for other adaptations, not necessarily physique, I may not program a lot of arm work just because it's not a, a priority. Uh, kind of like Phil, I have them do a lot of rowing and pressing, so they're getting a lot of work. I tend to spread the stress out a lot over the course of a week. So we're getting a lot of overlap Monday, Wednesday, Friday, sometimes Saturday. Yes. Um, but for other people, if it's their goal, especially for fitness competitors and physique, yeah, I'll have them do specific arm day. I mean, in some past competitors, even <clears throat> when arms were kind of a weak point, I'd I'd have them do some direct arm work twice a week. You know, mm-hmm. I'd start with a compound like exercise. Maybe it's a close grip chin ups and a overhead press. And then we would go into more arm specialty stuff then and. Usually they're having a kind of more upper body focused day, kind of a push-pull day too. So they're getting some arm work like four or five times a week if they can recover from it. Mm -hmm. So it just just depends on the goal and what they're trying to do. Um, For other competitors, I also look at, or like you guys were saying, injury risk. If they're doing uh, obstacle course racing, they're doing strongman. Uh, as Phil knows, the, the bicep can be in a precarious position, especially with stones and tires are usually the main ones. So with that, I'll even, if it's an advanced athlete, we'll work them up to this, obviously, but I'll have them do a chin up, come to the top and then drop and try to stop about halfway. Um, again, that's an end, excuse me, an end progression. I don't want people to start there right away, you know, start with some slow east centrics and try to pause a few things. But I'm basically trying to simulate a safe impulse load on the bicep and hopefully reduce the risk of injury. Obviously if you're trying to catch and curl a six to eight hundred pound tire, that's probably not going to do it. But, you know, get a little bit more open, you know, work in that area. Uh, also do a fair amount of open palm work if they're doing a lot of stone stuff. Mm-hmm. So gripping, plate curls, things of that nature to make the wrists and the fingers uh, stronger so they can actually Grab it at the bottom. When you're picking a stone up, people forget that a lot of times it's an open hand finger strength exercise too. And the hand, the arm is going to be fully extended. So the bicep Mm -hmm. can be a little precarious position. Yeah.
0: Yeah, good point about some of the the eccentric stuff. I mean, eccentrics would be almost um, another approach. If you didn't want to do huge volume, you know, you could really do like five Mm -hmm. sets of eight with negatives with a pretty heavy load. Uh, obviously you 're not going to super heavy load your biceps in the way that you would some you know your lats or your quads or something I guess but um, and i do i 've always done the same thing you just said, Mike was twice a week' stimulus like I started mm-hmm. with push pull, but then I would actually rearrange my body part splits when I was trying to build mass, so I was doing bench pressing on one day, obviously that 's going to be some triceps work, and now my direct mm-hmm. triceps work was another day. You know, so yeah. you're kind of yeah. getting either a main focus day versus a, you know, a day where it's an accessory um, and get it because, you know, it's not like, again, like your um, lats or glutes or adductors or something. These are fairly small muscles. You'd expect them to recover pretty well, you know, a little more quickly. You're not going to be have your biceps absolutely wrecked five days later, I wouldn't think, you know, and unable to train them. Uh, so
2: you but have you guys seen that? the In general, I find that smaller muscle groups just seem to recover faster. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I've never really seen any literature on that. Maybe somebody has some, but like even every, you know, coaches, trainers I've talked to, like everybody kind of agrees on that. And I don't understand, I've even tried to, you know, some, like I said, some competitors have done just literally a whole arm day. They can come back and most of the time do some pressing or something the next day or within 48 hours. Yeah.
0: I would separate it by two, usually, yeah. Yeah. Get it like twice a week or something like that. And you're right, because by contrast, we've all, like, if you do an unusual high-volume squat workout or, like, Phil, when you went to Colorado and you did the bodybuilding stuff, I mean, (laughs) back or legs, you can be freaking crippled for the better part of a week. Oh,
1: it is. Yeah. Yep. Brutal. Yeah. Uh, No, and another thing to think about, and it's something that was always preached to me early on in, in strength sports was, You know, especially in, well, strongman with all the pressing overhead, uh, powerlifting with benching, you know, it's a lot of tricep emphasis. Um, And your body kind of wants balance. So if you're really hammering your triceps and making them really strong, uh, you're going to need to do some direct bicep work. You know, you want the biceps to come along with them so that joint's balanced out. You don't want this tricep that is so many more times strong than this bicep that can't hold it in place Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) Mm -hmm. type of thing so that was always preached like to us I mean same thing with your back i mean you, yeah. you press off your back so it only makes sense that you want a big strong back to to balance out your chest so you're not totally internally rotated and gorilla postured um <laughs> at least you fight that as much as possible <clears throat> i think most lifters are going to have some degree of internal rotation but uh you know same thing with your bicep
0: yeah and so, you know also with the triceps i mean i was always taught that triceps is Two thirds of your upper arm—I mean, mass-wise—that mm-hmm. might be an exaggeration a little bit, but you know that's that's a, a lot of the mass. And I think so many yeah. people, to your point, like almost like the male model look, where they're all biceps and pecs. You know, yes, uh, and yeah. it, 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 you just don't look powerful at all. Your arms actually yeah. aren't that big around. Somebody might look pretty good. You're like, you see him on YouTube or something. You're like, oh, his arms pretty good. Well, he's lean. He's ripped, and that's going to help, right? I mean, a power lifter or an off-season bodybuilder—they're going to have enough bloat i suppose that they're it's not dramatic necessarily you know uh compared to some of these guys where you know like the deltoid tie-in is real sharp and you can see striations in their triceps and everything but then yeah their arm is like 14 inches around you know yeah so
1: yeah well i'm like it's like you talked about the other few weeks back with uh Plats and his adductors you know <laughs> if you build those triceps you're given a platform for that bicep to sit on and it's going to look bigger yeah <laughs> you know yeah. and vice versa probably for your i mean you don't want to have gigantic freaking triceps that are six times the size they're supposed to be and you know little twink biceps yeah stringy <laughs> you know? but i mean what does dan john always say is like when people are worried about biceps it's something like you know well, how about you try and squat and deadlift 600 and bench 315 and let's see where your arms are at Yeah, they're gonna get somewhere, right? So, if you're just weak, then
0: maybe we don't need so much.
1: (laughs) Mike, direct work.
0: You might know remember this. I think Brad Schoenfeld tried to do some stuff where he was seeing whether or not squatting helped your whole body. I think he concluded that it didn't. But ultimately, in practice, I'm with Phil. Like, there's no way, or Dan, you know, there's no way that you're going to become incredibly strong in some of these powerlifting movements. You know, and yes then, and then be completely detrained like a sedentary person in in others. I, I just don't see that happening,
2: you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it depends on are we asking real world or actually a controlled experiment. Yes. I yes. mean if you're only really doing, let's say, back squats, for example, you're probably not gonna yes. add a lot of mass to your biceps over six or eight weeks. But if you're you know, like Phil said, if you're squatting six hundred and pressing three fifteen or more The amount of other stuff you're going to need to do to get there and just the amount of stress and tension. And it's like if you're deadlifting, you know, six, seven hundred pounds, your traps are probably going to be pretty good size just from the amount of tension and stress that's going to have to go through there. Plus, all the other work you're going to need to do to get to that as an indicator lift. Yeah, right.
1: Well, let's be honest. What kind of what kind of status is just going to like only squat
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Disturbing. And not do anything else? <laughs> so, yeah. Disturbing. So, yeah. yeah. Even just moving the pl- load on the bar for an hour and a half, you know, is going to be something yeah, yeah. you would think. Um, I wanted to ask you guys about particular movements. So, Phil, you were just talking about, I guess, just Olympic bar, just barbell curls for getting in your
1: dose. Um, I don't
0: yeah, know I'll, preacher curl. What hammer, else do you use?
1: Yeah. Anything. Anything. I'll do a lot of. Uh, we use bands and do hammer curls with bands. I think that's a good one. Um, cause basically you got that accommodating resistance thing. So basically a curl usually gets easier at the top as you pass that, you know, range of motion. Mm-hmm. So we'll do it with bands. Um, I do drag curls. I have people do drag curls. Yes. Those, I like those. Um, mm-hmm. they make it exponentially harder. So, mm-hmm. and you really get it into the bicep a bit more. So it's a little harder to cheat and use other parts of your body. So those would probably be the, the ones we go to. Yeah, the drag curls. But, I think we mentioned this a few
0: weeks ago, but if if my biceps insertions are sore at all, or my elbows are having problems, um, I can put a fair amount of tension on my biceps and not hurt myself yeah. doing drag yeah. curls. Uh, Mike, you're always creative. What do you what do you have in store for your clients? <clears throat>
2: yeah, I kind of do. Uh, so when I'm thinking about writing it, what I'm thinking about is is there a compound? exercise we can manipulate a little bit to get more stress there right so maybe like a neutral bar uh press or i'm a big fan of floor pressing especially if they've got issues with mobility and can't get all the way down uh like i said chin up maybe move your grip in a little bit if they've got the mobility in their hands and wrists to do that and then after that just you know old school conventional stuff again what are things you can probably get a fair amount of load like phil you know olympic just straight in our easy curls and then similar to Phil also I like cables or bands mm-hmm. because the profile is the opposite right so you're doing a curl at the top is gonna be easiest if you're doing a cable you still have a fair amount of tension at the top so I'll do those as more finishing I do like a lot of higher rep stuff for mm-hmm. triceps uh, if people have a power rack the pulley from a mark spud is really awesome uh, I like that a lot I've used Got one about a year ago. I've used it more than I thought I would, just for doing press downs with different shaped handles and just having a cable and normally a power rack setup so you don't have to go to the gym is, is nice. Um and then outside of that, again, depends on what they're trying to do, but I do like changing hand positions. So going to more of a hammer grip, and then you can play around with the width that you're doing also. Uh you can also play around with the implement that you're trying to lift. So one of the ones I like a lot for beginners because they don't get much uh, sheer stress through their hands or their fingers is to do a hammer curl but wrap a towel uh, through a plate. If you've got the plates that got like the big holes in them or around a kettlebell and then do a hammer curl that way. You've got to kind of crush grip it but it's trying to pull your fingers in an odd position. So a lot of people are just, their hands are too used to being on a, on a keyboard. And then kind of my go-to which I haven't used for a while is if people have just like 10, 15 minutes, is a decline. You've talked about this, Lonnie. A decline uh, overhead, like head hits or skull crushers or whatever you want to use. Mm-hmm. I find having a 30 or 45-degree decline works good and tends to take some stress off of the elbow. And then just marry that with uh, either straight uh, palms up curl or reverse curl. Just alternate back and forth between those two for, like, a density block of, you know, 10 or 15 minutes, and that works quite well.
0: Yeah, I'm hearing a theme uh, between what you guys are saying and what I was thinking about myself, which is it's not just direct, like, isolation bicep work, right, biceps, but you're going to get in a little bit of that, like, brachialis, brachioradialis stuff, yeah. so doing reverse grip or hammer hammer curls. Um, I think that, yeah, the incline bench is just solid gold because whether you're doing hit heads or skull crushers or whatever on a low incline, it just kind of gets that triceps in that much more of a, of a stretched position. And then if you put it on a steep, uh, you know, the uh, incline on a bench like that, you can lean back and do the profanity curls that I talk about all the time. I think um, if I had to pick one thing that I could only do the rest of my life, it would be negatives, it would be those profanity curls, right? Because your arms are kind of drawn back because of gravity. You're leaning on that. Um, incline on the utility bench and just do, you know, sets of like eight reps with four count. And, you know, you can't even use real heavy dumbbells. I just use like 35s or 40s, literally, because by the time, you know, you get to rep eight with those four counts, you're just screaming profanities, you know, just brutal. Um, yeah, but mm-hmm. work, working, working a muscle in a stretched position like that with negatives causes a lot of soreness. But, of course, you know, that's growth, satellite cell activation, all that stuff, and It's just a far cry from what I used to do. When I was a kid, I mean, it's a dumb story, but um, when I first started going to the gym, they called me the walking biceps because I would go and do 10 sets of 10 preacher curls every day. And my arms actually grew. (laughs) Like, you know, how could they really not, I guess, when that's all you're freaking doing? But, you know, I kind of learned pretty quickly. How about I mix it up and train, you know, slightly different angles and planes and— you know, uh, get the stimulation of accessory muscles and all that kind of stuff. But
1: okay. I got—I mean, a tip I have—I, I, I'm guilty, like really guilty of like I literally just don't, don't care about biceps, yeah. Um, yeah. so I tend to, <laughs> I'll find myself not doing them, because um, I just never got much out of them. But uh, so what I do, what I started doing was like while I'm co- coaching or while I'm training. I just try and make it a habit of just i um, walking past the barbell, grab it and do 10 or 20. Just all, all week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Just to make me get some in. And if you add it up over the weeks, so it's oh, okay, he did two sets of 10, but if you add that up over 6 days that I'm in the gym and each time I'm there, let's say I'm there two, three times a day, it's a lot That's of volume, up. you know. Yeah. So cuz I I mean, I can't help it. It's boring, man. Yeah. But I some people get off on doing curls, but it's like, oh god. I'd rather hear nails on a chalkboard.
0: So. Yeah. Um, you know, I do it like you do now, Phil. I mean, mostly during the week, I, I literally have like a dumbbell next to my my office chair. <laughs> I just lean down into do yeah. like, do a set of eight. And it, it, I imagine it adds up. I can't say my arms are shrinking or anything, so at least it's maintaining me, you know? Yeah. When
1: I, uh, when I blew my bicep, I went. And what was the show with Stallone? Over the top. Remember he had oh. a, a thing in his car? <laughs> I literally. I put a band because it was my right arm was the first one I was the first bicep I blew. I hooked a band up to my passenger side door, and everywhere I was driving, I just with a light band, and I would just do tons of really light curls mm-hmm. and let it stretch my arm because the band will pull on my arm. So that's how I was gaining back range of motion and just getting a ton of work to try and strengthen that tendon back up. Um, so I mean that's something you can do too. I mean hell you could probably anchor one of and do tricep work. Right on. But just get some of that stuff in. You know, it's it's not the end all be all, but yeah, it's important. You know, especially I, in my opinion, for tendon and joint health is the main reason for direct bicep work. If you're a strength athlete, and that's right, the, right. You know, that's my job on this show. Exactly. I'm coming from that angle. <laughs> so <laughs>
0: spoken like a powerlifter.
2: <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I may end up doing. More bicep curls now. I have a joke with my buddy Dr. Tommy Wood. I'm helping him train for a strongman competition, so we may do an exchange where I'm doing some of his program, obviously for him, and then as a concession to stuff he likes, I may have him give me some more bicep drills to do. <laughs> oh,
1: <yeah.
2: laughs> it's the dumbest arm training you guys have ever done. Oh god! Mm-hmm. Or most intense, sh- painful, I guess.
1: It would have been, had to have been years ago where you just do, you know, like run the rack a few times, yeah. you know, <laughs> totally. you know, start off with what of the heaviest you can do for like two or three and then just work your way down and don't stop. And then, oh, let's do that again. That was awesome. Rest for five minutes and do it again. And yeah, just wreck yourself. But um, yeah. like we talked about, though, even that like a bicep, like if you wreck them, it's doable to go on with daily life. Yeah, <laughs> compared to like wrecking your legs or wrecking your your core. Holy crap, if you wreck and that's I did that a few times and I just won't do that anymore because um, it ruins everything. Like you can train nothing if your abdominals are just wrecked. Um So you wrecking your arms is like yeah, eating right. a little tough because let's be honest. I mean, the main for the average person walking around that doesn't train and like isn't that physical. Like, the main goal of your bicep is to grab food, bring it to your mouth, and, like, internally rotate your hand. That's why your bicep <laughs> got, it feeds right. you. The All bicep right. is the feeding muscle. So <laughs> um, That's kind of funny. <laughs> it really is. Because that inner head, like, turns your hand, and then yeah, right. it allows you to bring food to your face is really the main goal of your freaking you, bicep. You can tell it's um, important to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's funny. So... <clears throat>
0: no, the only mistake I think I made early on, like I said, was I would do 10 sets of 10 of preachers. And, but partly because my arms responded, you know, and I think you fall into that. Kind of, it's In a way, it's a mistake as you go with your strength. And I'm like, oh, my, yeah. man, my arms are growing, you know, and I before I, I got 16-inch arms and then a few, a few years later, 17-inch arms. I mean, when I was competing, I was up. I was up to about 18 and a half inch arms, you know, when I was, yeah. but that's bloated in the off season, man. You know, that's yeah. not, that's not fair for me to say that really, but, yeah. um, cause you know, on stage it might've been 17 and I know that's not impressing yeah. everybody, but once you get that lean, there's not much left yeah. behind, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. but,
2: um, yeah. You're talking about run the rack Phil, <laughs> mm-hmm. I think I would learn this, but I did this actually like a year and a half ago. We went on a, Cruise ship with the Kerrigan Institute. So my good buddy, Doctor Freddy Garcia, who has huge arms, he's like, "Yeah, we should go to the gym and train arms on the cruise ship." I'm like, mm-hmm. "Okay, sure, whatever." i you know, we were training anyway. So he's, so I'm like, "So what do we do?" He's like, "Oh, let's do run the rack." I'm like, "Okay." So I'm the first one up, so we start with the, you know, 15 pound dumbbells, and you know, we're just doing just straight, you know, dumbbell curls, go all the way up to the 45s for, know, like eight reps or whatever, and finished that, and he's like, "No, now you got to go all the way back down, man." I'm like, oh yeah. god! So it we went all the way back down again. That was one set, which yeah. took like ten minutes for Perversion to do, and you're just excruciatingly painful. <laughs> I think we did that like all the way through up and down like twice. I think Oof. we're just curling for like thirty five minutes straight. Oh basically. my god! And we were both so wrecked yeah. after that. <laughs>
0: You know, for stubborn for like arms.
2: My arms are sore.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think if you got stubborn arms
1: and they won't grow, a
0: shock technique like that might be the ticket for you.
2: Yeah. You
1: know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'll be 100% honest. Like like I said, I I don't like arm work, and my physique shows that. If I have a weak spot, it's my biceps. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But the fact is, I don't care. You know, right. come tell me that, and yeah. I'll be like, oh, that's nice. that squat me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. But, uh. No, on a cruise ship, I did one cruise in my life, and I tried to squat on it. That was a mistake. Oh, Holy it feels crap. weird. Yeah, you are all over the place. It's like, yeah, oh, I, I you don't that. realize the boat's moving that much <laughs> until you try to squat. So, right yeah. um,
0: okay. Well, I mean, that's I guess that's some stuff for people to chew on. There, literally, some yeah. shock techniques, some of our favorite movements. I mentioned the incline hit heads but any I to me any lying triceps extensions I just think that's the squat of the upper arm I think I'd be remiss unless I emphasized that a, le- a little hard on your elbows hell yeah right but yeah. and I yeah, yeah and maybe don't listen to me cuz I, I tore my triceps <laughs> doing heavy hit heads <laughs> once so
1: Yeah and I bulb. Blew both my biceps. So see, so yeah, maybe you shouldn't. Uh. <laughs> Take what we say with a grain yeah. of salt, everybody. <laughs> yeah, it's it's I it's worth mentioning, everybody. If you're listening to this show right before this, we recorded another one of our reviews. So if you like bacon, go on YouTube and catch that. Yes. Yeah. So yeah,
0: good call. I was just eating some, and I was hoping <coughs> that Mike would keep talking while I stuffed my face with bacon. Yeah,
1: I got some. I got some bacon stuck in my teeth right now. Right. So
2: yeah in his bicep workout feeding i was
1: i was exactly right i got you know how many curls i get in a day thousands that's right volume bro bacon curls right you want to curl more cut your food into smaller pieces you know (laughs) get more reps
2: more reps can we sell Uh, like super heavy utensils for lifters there you go that'd be (laughs) five pound forks that's a good Uh, idea
1: you can incrementally load them. Right? Yep. A little plate you add on them. Run yeah. the rack with forks. <laughs> yeah. I'm up to a
0: five pound fork. This is horrible.
1: <laughs> Make a buffet for the lifters like the trays weigh forty pounds. You gotta carry your forty pound plate over to the buffet and nice yeah. right. You, go.
2: you can do a combination resistance or tighten bands so it gets really hard when it gets to your mouth and you're on a diet. <laughs> Get that last four inches.
1: <laughs> I just can't eat it anymore. Why, you're not hungry? No, I'm freaking wore out. I can't get the pork on <laughs> so, Earn just it. Just do another rep.
0: Yeah, earn your round. calories, man. Yeah.
1: All right.
2: All right.
1: All right, guys. I'm going to go squat.
2: All right. Have fun. All right. Yep. Catch you later. Yep.
0: Hey, listeners. Have you seen the store at ironradio.org? There are three halls in the store, one for Phil, one for Fortress, and one for myself, Dr. Lowry, In their thematic. So you can go into our Halls of Iron store and choose based on your goal. If you need something to learn or read or something nutritional, you can look in my store, uh, Lonnie's store. If you want something about injury prevention uh, or competition, then take a look at Phil's Hall of Iron. And if you want something about motivation or daily training, Fortress's Hall has what you're looking for. There are some fun, heroic descriptors uh, as you browse through the stores. We try to make it a little more fun than the average boring online store. And whether you're a novice lifter or someone more experienced, you can take heart that you're not wasting your time. The things that we put in each Hall of Iron are actually based on our own recommendations protein powders that we know to be good uh knee sleeves wraps of some kind things that fortress uses in his own training uh the stuff you you see you know is good this way you don't waste time so check out the iron radio store at ironradio.org, and um let us know what you think on the forums and certainly you can request products and we will uh, screen them before they go in so thanks for listening